Hello, and thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. So how did Habakkuk get from a place of confusion and worry and fear to a place of faith and confidence and joy? How was he able to make that transition around him when nothing changed? The people were still mocking God, violence still filled the streets, and the Babylonians were still coming to attack Jerusalem. Outwardly, everything was still as messed up as it was in the very beginning. But something changed inside of Habakkuk. How did that happen? This morning, I want to look at three things that Habakkuk did that we need to do to make the transition in our lives from confusion and worry and fear to faith and confidence and joy. Number one is we need to remember what God has done. This is the prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I know how famous you are. I have great respect for you because you are of your mighty acts. Do them again for us. Make them known in our time. When you are angry, please have mercy on us. Habakkuk starts out by saying, God, I know all the stories of all the amazing things you've done in the past. I've heard about your miracles. I've heard about your power. I've heard about your glory. And I remember all those things. But God, it doesn't seem like you're doing any of that stuff right now. Do great things again. If I'm being honest with you, I'd have to admit there are times in my life when God's presence has seemed more real to me than other times. There are times in my life when God's power seemed to be more evident. I could see that God was doing this and God was doing that. But then there are times when I get to the point where I say, God, I remember when you used to do all this stuff. Can you please do it again? But it starts with remembering. We need to remember and look back at the faithfulness and character and the goodness of God. We need to remember what God has done. And that's what Habakkuk does as he goes down memory lane, thinking about the goodness and the power of God. Someone put it this way, the more Habakkuk knows about the planner, the more he can trust the plans. And I think that is the key here. It's not that Habakkuk suddenly understands everything that God is doing. That's not it at all. In fact, at the end of the book, Habakkuk really doesn't understand any more than he does at the beginning. But he comes to the realization that it doesn't really matter as long as he knows that God is in control and that God will work out everything in his own time. In these verses, there is a focus on God's activity in the past. Habakkuk especially focuses on the Exodus the time in the wilderness and the crossing of the Jordan River. That was a time when God repeatedly performed spectacular miracles. And the implication is that if God did it before, then he can do it again. In verse three, he says, God came from Teman, the Holy One came from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, his praise filled the earth. 
Habakkuk goes back in his mind to what God did when he delivered the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. God took his people to Mount Sinai, and then he led his people across the desert to the land of Canaan. In verses 7 through 15, Habakkuk goes through a very detailed explanation of remembering times when God displayed his glory and power. He says, God, I remember when you guided your people by fire and by a cloud, and I remember when you fed us with bread from heaven, and I remember when the waters parted and we walked through, and I remember when you shook the earth and the walls came tumbling down, and I remember when you used torrential rains to defeat the enemy, and I remember when you used pestilence and plagues. God, I remember what you're capable of. Do those things again today. Whenever I'm confused because of what's going on in my life or in the world around me, I need to remember. I need to go back to who I know God to be. Sometimes we read about everything God did in the Bible, and we think that's the God that used to be. But we need to remember that the God who did all those things is the God we serve now. And when I don't see God at work right here, right now, I need to remember what he's done in the past. God, I remember your glory and your deeds and your power. I know you've done it before, and I believe you can do it again. The first thing we need to do is to remember what God has done, both in the Bible and in our own lives and in the past. The second thing we need to do is accept what God is doing. Now, that doesn't mean that you give up expecting God to do anything. But it does mean that sometimes the answer doesn't come as quickly as we would like for it to come. And so we accept what God is doing right now, even if we don't like it very much. We see this in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul has some sort of a problem in his life that he referred to as a thorn in the flesh. And he pleaded with the Lord three times about this problem, and he asked God to take it away from him. But God refused to remove this thorn in the flesh and he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When God didn't answer his prayers the way he wanted him to, Paul could have gone into a state of depression, or he could have gotten angry with God. But instead, Paul accepted what the Lord said. He wrote, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you see the same response in Habakkuk. When he questioned God, he didn't get the answer he expected. God said, I'm going to use the Babylonians to destroy your nation. And here's Habakkuk's response. He said, I hear these things and my body trembles. My lips tremble when I hear the sound. My bones feel weak and my legs shake. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. This is Habakkuk's way of saying, it makes me sick to my stomach to think about what's going to happen. When Babylon attacks, this is not going to be a pleasant experience. A lot of people are probably going to die. Probably me. Probably those I love. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed, and I don't like it. And even though I don't fully understand, I trust that God knows what he's doing. God has spoken, and so I'll accept what he's doing, as difficult as it may be. I will quietly wait for his plan to be carried out. 
sometimes things happen in our lives that we don't like. Maybe something like that has already happened. And there are times when we just have to accept it. We don't have to like it, but we trust that God knows what he's doing, so we accept it. So first, remember what God has done in the past, then accept what God is doing right now. But then three is trust what God is going to do in the future. Habakkuk says, I don't understand what's going on, and I don't like it. And the Babylonians should be punished. But he says, I will wait patiently for the day of disaster that will come to the people who attack us. I'm going to wait because I believe eventually Babylon will get theirs because God said so. After Habakkuk accepts his present situation, there is an absolute trust that God will take care of things in the future. And he closes with what may be the most beautiful expression of faith in the Bible. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. What a beautiful statement that is. Habakkuk says, no matter what may go wrong in my life, even if I lose everything I own, God, I will still trust you and I will serve you because I believe that in the end, you will make everything work out all right. Keep in mind that ancient Israel was an agricultural society. If you ran out of figs, olives, grapes, grain, sheep, and cattle, you were in big trouble. You would have lost everything. And so this raises the question for us, what would you do if you lost everything? What would you do if you get wiped out? What if your investments disappear? What would you do then? Investments gone, pension destroyed, what then? What would you do? Or what if you lose your job? What if you can't pay your bills? What if the doctor says it's terminal? What if your spouse leaves and you're left alone? What if your house burns down with everything in it? What then? Are we able to say like Habakkuk, even though I don't like it, and even though I don't understand it, and even though I know God could do something about it if he wanted to, but he doesn't, even then my trust is in the Lord my God. There are some Christians who think, who, who have God, Christians who have a God of the good times, they serve God and they love him and praise him when everything's going great. But some people's idea of faith is, Lord, you take care of me and I'll follow you. You make sure I've got enough money, you keep me from being sick, and you fill my life with lots of blessings. And in return, I'll believe in you and I'll trust, I'll serve you. But what do you do when the hard times come? Because if all you have is a God of the good times, you don't have a God of the Bible. Because sometimes the fig tree doesn't bud, sometimes there are no grapes on the vine, sometimes the olive crop fails, sometimes the fields produce no food, sometimes there are no sheep in the pen, sometimes there's no cattle in the stalls. What do you do then? You can get angry with God, or you can give up on God altogether, or you can choose to trust God anyway. Faith chooses to believe when it would be easier to stop believing. Habakkuk said, I will wait patiently and I will rejoice. I pray that every single one of you would grow to have what I call a Habakkuk chapter three type of faith. 
But here's the deal. You can't have a chapter three type of faith until you've had a chapter one kind of question and a chapter two kind of waiting. Because God can do more with us spiritually when we are going through those tough times than he does on the mountaintop. And those of you who are closest to God, you know this because you've been through it. One of the things about having served Christ for the past 25 years or so is this. I've walked with God for enough yesterdays that I can trust him with all my tomorrows. And I pray that if you have not yet experienced the same thing, that eventually the day will come when you will have known God's goodness and faithfulness in enough yesterdays that you will be able to trust him with all your tomorrows. The last verse of Habakkuk says this, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Did you know that deer are sure-footed? They are able to walk on mountain terrain where the rest of us would slip, slide, and eventually fall. Deer can walk with no problem at all. So Habakkuk's point is this, if your trust is in God, he will give you the stability in those slippery moments of life. He will give you the ability to stand when everything else is falling apart. But the only way we can have this assurance is by saying with Habakkuk, the Lord God is my strength. Because if your savings account is your strength, you will not survive the tough times. If your family is your strength, you will not survive the tough times. If your health is your strength, you will not survive the tough times. If you cannot say, the Lord is my strength, you will find the journey of life to be a very slippery path. But the Lord God is my strength. He makes me like a deer that does not stumble so I can walk on the steep mountains. Let me repeat once more the most single observation from Habakkuk. As the book comes to a close, nothing has changed on the outside. The people of Judah have still forgotten God. Violence still reigns in Jerusalem. The wicked still oppress the righteous. And the Babylonians are still God's appointed instrument for judgment. Hard times are coming, and there is nothing anyone can do about it. Nothing has changed except for this. Habakkuk changed on the inside. He finally came to the realization that God is in control of the universe. He learned that he could trust God completely, even though he could only see a small part of God's plan. As Isaiah pointed out, God's ways are not man's ways. Sometimes what God is doing doesn't seem to make sense to us, and God doesn't promise that he'll explain everything to us, but he does assure us that we can put our trust in him. As someone has put it, We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Or this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So what do we learn from Habakkuk's journey? Because we're all tempted to raise the same questions that Habakkuk did. We want to know why the wicked prosper. We want to know why the righteous suffer. And there are a lot of times that we don't understand why God allows certain things to happen. At times, we wonder if God's even around at all. Habakkuk was reminded that God will make all things right in due time. Those who are wicked will most certainly be punished, and those who are righteous will most certainly be rewarded. And as long as we can remember that our God is in control, 
then we can relax and stop worrying. But as I pointed out last time, the hardest part is waiting on God because we want him to fix everything right away. God's timetable is very seldom the same as we would like it for it to be. So there's often a need for us to be patient with God and wait. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What do you do when, like Habakkuk, you find yourself waiting on God? Maybe you're not sure what the future holds for you. Maybe you've lost your job or you've been offered a new job. Do you go? Do you stay? You pray for wisdom, but the answer doesn't come quickly. What do you do when you find yourself waiting for God? There are some who are waiting for God to bring healing. In some physical way, they are suffering, and they are waiting for God to heal, or at least to alleviate the pain. For others, it's a matter of dealing with depression. It seems life has no purpose, no meaning, no joy, and that person is waiting for God to restore all of that. What do you do when you find yourself waiting for God? There are people who are waiting for God to restore relationships. Have you ever been in a situation where you want the forgiveness of someone you've hurt? You do everything you can to say, I am sorry, and to make things right, and that person simply will not forgive, and you are left waiting for God to soften that person's heart. Or maybe you're on the other end. Someone has done you wrong, and you're carrying a terrible grudge, and living in anger just eats away at your soul but you just can't seem to get over it. You can't seem to bring yourself to forgive, and you're waiting on God to equip you with the serenity and the strength to say those simple words, God, I forgive them, and to really mean it. And then there are those who are waiting for peace. What do you do when you find yourself waiting for God to bring peace to this troubled world? Then there are those who await more desperately than any of us people in our own country who are homeless and hungry, people around the world who are in desperate struggles to feed their children. What do you do when you're waiting for God? We sometimes sing the song, I know whom I have believed, which is based on 2 Timothy 1.12. Listen to the words of the third verse of that song. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me, of weary ways or golden days before his face I see. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Ultimately, that's the message of Habakkuk. I don't know what lies ahead for me. It may be good things, it may be bad. But either way, my trust is in God, and in the end, everything will work out and be okay. Because I remember what God has done in the past, I accept what he is doing right now, and I will trust what he will do in the future. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Amen.